Space. The final frontier. Well, okay, not, not really. All right, uh, take two, take two. Here in the Mitten State, welcome to Code 47, bringing you all things Star Trek, spanning the quadrants, the best thing since the neutral zone. We're back again with your It's Just a Coincidence holiday edition of Code 47 on the Secret Friends Unite podcasting network. This is episode 115. Uh, we are recording on Christmas Eve, which again, as I said, is entirely inconsequential to what we're going to talk about, but Jen has a hat on anyway, uh, which means she gets to be the person who gets introduced first, uh, our trekker from the Windy City, Jen Watson, <laughs> joining the forum as usual. Jen, hello. How are you? Merry hello. Christmas. Merry Christmas. All right. And then going to my left, my middle left, uh, is the captain of the USS Rhapsody down there in Southwest Michigan, Mr. Aaron Hamager. Aaron, how are you? I'm doing great. Hi, everybody. All right. And all the way over on the left, decked out in that absolutely gorgeous uh, the pilot version of the TOS uniform, my chief engineer on the USS Grand Petoskey, Mr. Peter Stein. Peter, Merry Christmas to you. Merry Christmas. All right. Well, we're going to do a fun one today. Last week, or last episode, we were obviously talking about um, our, you know, choice castings if uh, Strange New Worlds takes its assembled casting of the TOS characters, if they added on to them. And now we're going to talk about what would come next after that. But before we do that, uh, I'm going to pay homage to our fantastic friends over on our Secret Friends Unite Patreon. Uh, these are the folks who contribute to us financially and, of course, spiritually and emotionally to give us uh, the capacity to do uh, our additional Patreon content. Uh, both Jen and Peter have worked with me on the Facts of Geek Life, which is my uh, program where we uh, take a classic season uh, and of a classic show and a handful of episodes and break them down and have a good time. Aaron, we've got to get you in the mix at some point, so we'll have to talk about an old show that you love uh, and get you in there. So we will we will cover that off book. Uh, but anyway. On the Friends with Benefits level, as always, we have Corey in HD, John Sedorf, the awesome Phoenix Sisters cosplay, Brendan Myers, uh, and new additions, the Asian Sith Mistress, uh, but an even newer addition and getting some special recognition this week is Mr. Matthew Keel. Matt is a longtime contributor uh, to the Secret Friends Unite Prime podcast. Uh, he was on recently uh, with Mark and with Todd over on Co-op Mode, uh, where he joined up. But because he's a member of the squad, and I gave my people just, you know, 30 minutes to come up with something, uh, he does get a Star Trek race, and he gets a Star Trek job. Uh, so I'm going to start at my extreme left, and I'm going to say, Peter, go first. Give Matthew a Star Trek race and a Star Trek job. All right. I decided to go for something a little bit unusual. I'm going for a Benzite. Because mm. why not? A little breather. <laughs> and uh, the uh, deep space sensor operator. Gotcha. Down there poking and not following the rules. Like, what get, was it? Get to more, see all the things that are far, far away. More Don or more Dak. It was the dude in the TNG played by the same dude. Yep. But they were, they had the most TNG explanation. Wesley walks out to him and says, Oh, I thought you were. The name of the first character. No, he's my cousin or some shit. I don't know what it was. We're from the same breathing birthing pod, which sounds gross. But anyway, um, Aaron. Uh, 
For species, I'm going to have to go with uh, just because I think it would be really fun to see one trying to integrate into Starfleet society. I'm going to go with a, uh, a former Q collect Q member uh, uh, who's uh, who's been turned human. I think that would be a fun one to see. And uh, for job, I don't. I'm still hung up on uh, uh, cetaceans water ops management. Uh, I don't want to say you know intergalactic pool person, but you know I think that'd be a great job. He's the pool guy. Yeah. I love it. Good deal. All right, Jen. Um, let's go with Trill. Join oh. or unjoined, your choice. And you can join me in the transporter room. I love it. Uh, I'm going to go with uh, Cation. Uh, and then I'm going to go with a uh, security chief. Because you see how scrappy uh, a, a male security chief, because he, he's male. So this we'll see a male Cation. I don't know that we've really bumped into one that's had a speaking part. But yeah, security chief. So just as grumpy as Dr. Tana on Lower Decks, uh, but now with Worf's job. So get to, instead of just being cranky and you know yelling at people and using much curse words, actually gets to slap people around. So good deal. Well, Matthew, welcome. Uh, to my recollection, I don't know that you're much of a trekker, but hopefully uh, you will give this a nod. Uh, I'll give a shout out on the Patreon and perhaps some of our social medias to alert him that he should be listening uh, to this on Christmas Day. All right. And finally, on our BFFs level, our top tier of Patreon, we have the awesome Nias family of the Twin Cities, Sean, Stella, and Henry. And friend of the show and friend of many of us here, Missy Merchant. All righty, right. Well, one little piece of news, which I didn't, uh, it's more of an announcement than it is a new story. But again, today is the 24th, Christmas Eve. Tomorrow is Christmas Day. For those who celebrate, you may be listening to this, but probably listening later in the week. But over on Netflix, this has been news for quite some time. Star Trek Prodigy season the first, I'm assuming in its entirety, will be available to you who have never seen it, uh, who would like to see it again who didn't jump on the bandwagon of, of snapping up a copy of it once it uh, went uh, once it got ghosted from Paramount Plus back in the <laughs> summertime. Um, so yeah, it'll be there for you. And I would imagine as we get into the new year that we will be uh, getting a, a pretty prompt announcement uh, for season two. So opinion question. I'm not sure if we covered this before. What are your guys' school of thought on the way Netflix usually drops things? Because they'll drop, blam, here's everything. Or are they going to go, more the episodic route because I feel like Netflix releases have gone in both directions um, as far as uh, dropping everything at once or, or going weekly episodic. Um, but Star Trek has never gone with a huge drop like that unless I'm misremembering something. So, uh, Peter, what do you think? Which direction do you think they'll go in? Um, I think they'll stick with the episodic, uh, not okay. with not with launching season one necessarily, right. just All because right. it's already been out. Yeah. Uh, but with the new release of season two, I think they'll go episodic. They might do what they've done before where it's like, you know, two new episodes, the first two episodes at the same time, just so you can be like, Ooh, there's an extra hook. But right. I, think I think they'll go episodic if only because Star Trek has always done that. Right. And then they can, you know, drag out interest and, and therefore viewers for a couple extra weeks. Right, 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 right. All right. Aaron, what do you think? I, I, you know, I, they they do tend to Netflix is really weird because they'll release in batches, but they'll do it in a way where they'll like if it's a seven episode series, they'll release six episodes, and then like two months later, they'll release like the last episode. You know, they're real big. I can't stand it when they do that. I, I just don't understand. They've done it to me so many times. Uh, but um, I I think it would, the smart play is to release it one episode at a time because right. I I don't understand how you make money releasing it in batches. 
um, because you get people coming back every week and you get more viewers and everything uh, right. for, for, for a longer commitment. Right. Uh, so exactly. it, I, I think that's a smarter play, especially with how competitive streaming uh, has become and how it continues to be more and more competitive with big mergers and stuff like that. Uh, that's another piece. Whoops. Look at me, Mr. Uh, prepared. There was a rumor this week that the folks at Max are talking to the folks at Paramount Plus about a potential merger. We'll save talking about that until there's more news, but I, I can tell you that doesn't really excite me. But anyway, Jen, what, what are your thoughts? I hope they do it episodically. I am not ho- – I'm not like – I don't think that that's going to happen because it's Netflix and they yeah. don't do that. Right. Um, ideally, maybe they'll split the difference because, I mean, that's sort of what Paramount did. Um, I mean, they released them in five-episode chunks to begin with. I mean, it was still right. weekly. Right. But you had five and then five and then ten, you know, because it was yeah. broken up by all the other releases. Right. Um, I agree that re- releasing stuff weekly is – better for the fans and better for the streaming company because you do have a longer commitment of people and you also prolong some of the discussion right. uh, between been, yeah. releases. So yeah, yeah, no, I definitely, crossed. yeah, I definitely think that's the biggest part. Well, cool. Well, we will find out about that. As we said, we get into the new year and then we'd look at hopefully as, as things start to continue to shape up, we know strange new worlds is in production right now for season three. And uh, one would hope that within certainly the first quarter of 2024, we would get something a little more solid on when we would expect to see that. Okay. Well, we're getting into uh, our uh, uh, segment one where we're continuing the conversation about strange new worlds dash TOS. So last week, uh, with the help of uh, of special guest Todd Oxtra, we all did our fan casting on what it would look like uh, to have uh, additional roles cast for uh, McCoy, Sulu, Rand, and Chekhov. But now I said, hey, what if we then tilt into the series itself? And over the next three episodes, we're going to take on each of the three seasons of the original series. We're leaving out TAS. Sorry. We don't need to revisit that. Just yet. It was painful enough when we did it, in my opinion. And that's um, what Lower Decks is for. Yeah, that is what Lower Decks is for, to decide what's canon and what's not. That works for me. Because uh, Gene Roddenberry always hated, much like Lucas hated the Star Wars holiday special, Gene Roddenberry had a somewhat similar vibe when it came to the animated series. Necessary evil, but ultimately, uh, you know, threw it under the bus when he had a chance. But anyway, we're going to look at the first season of the original Star Trek. Now, we are excluding... Uh, the Cage, as it was the unaired pilot, despite Peter's fantastic outfit. Uh, we're excluding The Cage for the time being. Uh, but we're each going to choose two episodes, and we'll go in kind of a round-robin fashion, that we would prioritize if uh, TOS Season 1 was remade in, let's say, a 10-episode season. You know, so so by the end of this, we could have, you know, we could have half of that and more than half of that in the bag. Because um, who knows what that would really look like. But once it's recast, if they move forward into a streaming model of 10 episodes or 12 episodes or whatever it is, maybe they want to remake. Maybe they want to do new. Maybe they want to do a mix of the two. But anyway, here's our take. So um, I'm going to go, uh, I'm going to go counterclockwise this time. So I'm going to go first and kind of set the stage. I know, look at me. It's good to be the king, right? Uh, I'm going to pick my first, uh, my first of two. And again, if this happens to be uh, one of your guys's as well, just jump in. We'll talk about it together, and then we'll continue to move forward. So, Jen, did you have a question? I saw your mouth open like you were going to say something. No. Not so much? Okay, very good. All right, so my first pick, season one of TOS, episode six is The Naked Time. Ooh. Um, I like, you know, and again, this was spoofed, I think, in a – 
much less successful fashion uh, early in TNG. I mean, you know, the Naked Now, yeah, which was episode, episode two. <laughs> two, yeah, episode two or three, because uh, episode three was the one on the the Africa planet. So we we, we don't, let's hope we don't get that one until we down the road start doing the series again because that's not that's neither one of those are pleasant to talk about but anyway back to the naked time what why i picked this i thought the the episode you know super early on um was a real crash course in learning about the the core identities of a lot of our real critical characters um shortcomings fears whatever it is because of this psi 2000 virus and again if you're not familiar with the episode either one of them enterprise is visiting a planet uh, they come upon a science station where you know crew members uh died in in somewhat weird and unexplained fashion one guy taking a shower with his clothes on and and just a bunch of weird stuff happening and one of the crew members who he's great with his 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 osha policy takes the glove off of his spacesuit and he's touching something and this vi- you see this virus literally jump onto his hand and it's like a trickle of orange goo it goes bloop and then he takes it back to the ship and as it gets around everybody just gets you know it it goes into the blood as McCoy explains it later on in the episode goes into the bloodstream like alcohol and makes everybody uh, act like they're drunk you know you know you get drunk you get uh, emotional you get honest um, I thought it was really well made. I mean, there are parts of it that are that are corny because it's. Uh, sorry, Peter, you're the TOS guy. No, I was just going to say there's one thing that we do need to it, leave out in some fashion is the repetitive singing from the uh, <laughs> lieutenant Lieutenant Riley. Uh, yeah, yes, yeah, that would that would be that would be a great leave out. I agree with you. Um, but anyway, I thought it was really well made for the time, and I think with our new cast, which is. You know, I, I love some of the original series actors, but I think some of the ones that we've talked about can take those roles in different directions and show us kind of a a different kind of drama. But what I really liked about this episode is it's one of the few where we have the entirety of our extended cast, meaning including Chapel and Rand, obviously minus Chekhov because he wasn't part of the show at the time. Um, and it was, you know, it was not long after. I can't remember which was the last episode Rand was in, but it was... It was not even to the halfway point of the season. She just kind of went away, if I'm not mistaken. I'd have to look into it a little bit more deeply. So so anyway, yeah, that's my pick number one. Um, all right, Jen, fire away. <laughs> um, my pick is What Are Little Girls Made Of? Um, it's no secret I love Chapel, so I'm going to pick mm-hmm. an episode that, that should have focused on her more. Um, my rewrite on this one is going to focus on her more because even though she's in it a lot, it's not really about her so much. I would yeah. have her. Um, so what happens is the Enterprise receives a signal from Ro- Roger Corby, who is Chapel's ex-fiance. Uh, and they go down and they find out that he's been making androids and he is an android. And from what we know of androids in Star Trek after this point with all, you know, the Noonien song and all of that. I'd incorporate sort of what we know from the future and have these androids maybe be the basis for uh, Soong's work or mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, incorporate some of that somehow into this uh, because, you know, there's some really goofy stuff with the spinning table and the exposed wires in the hands. And it's not a good episode. And I think that's why it should be remade. Um, right. So I would do some of that to give Chapel more agency, have her maybe defy orders and go down to the planet herself because she wants to go see what's up with Roger. Yeah. Uh, you know, 
maybe have her bring along not just Kirk with her, but maybe Laon if she's still around, because that could be really interesting too. Oh yeah, um, I think about with, that. Yeah, uh, and um, just kind of expand the roles a little bit more and give the women a little bit more agency. Totally. Um, there's also the female android on the planet too. That there's a line in there where she's like, um, "I am now programmed to." bring you pleasure as well. And I'm like, Oh boy. <laughs> and she says this to chapel and I'm like, they could really play around with that too, because there's <laughs> a, a throwaway about chapel dating a woman at one point. And I'm right. like, yeah, okay, hmm. we could, we could do something with this still implicit. You know, we're not going right. to get crazy on the yeah. screen, but um, yeah, I think it could be a fun one to remake and see a little bit more interesting. Awesome. Good deal. All right, Aaron, you're at bat. <laughs> All right, so my uh, top pick, the one that I would really love to see get remade, is an an episode that's a subject of a lot of fan speculation. And you know, I'm really big on getting into the lore and, and theories and stuff like that. But I would definitely love to see them touch upon uh, the Squire of Gothos. Ooh, uh, yes, I, 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 you know they, they even in like lower decks and stuff like that, they mentioned uh, uh, Trelawney and that whole mystery thing. And 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 there's been a lot of speculation and 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 thought that he is in some way related to the Q continuum. And I think that that would be a great opportunity to kind of put that to bed a little bit and explore his origins a little bit more, maybe from a different perspective. Um, you know, plus it's a great opportunity to see uh, 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 some of our fan picks, Sulu and uh, uh, Kirk and Spock and McCoy all working together in, in, in a situation. And I just love the idea of, maybe breaking the canon a little bit and uh, playing with some new things because, you know, if he is part of the Q continuum or at least on that level, uh, we could see the story, you know, maybe take some left turns yeah, and, and everything. And I think that would be really exciting to play with because there's a lot of opportunity with a character like that. Mm-hmm. Nice. Good deal. I love it. All right, Peter, the end of round one is yours. Um, so I, my general philosophy was to stay away from like the big ones because mm-hmm. I didn't think they necessarily needed to be remade, but you know, yeah. yeah. Um, so I went with the conscience of the King. Oh God. Great um, which if you're not familiar, this is an episode that heavily focuses on Kirk's backstory. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we get the, um, the, these, Kodos the executioner and this whole right. thing of Kirk surviving the slaughter of a colony, which surprisingly based on everyone's predilection for tragic backstories has not been mentioned once in strange new worlds yet. Right. Um, so I would be interested to see how they would be able to, um, how they would bring that out and, and yeah. develop that. Um, and as a side note, also deal with um, Kodos's daughter a little bit less weirdly. Was she? Um, was, was her name Lenore? Was that like a, like way too on the yeah, nose? It was Lenore for being, for, for uh, you know poetry and famous yeah for Hamlet and all that. Yeah, so it was just it was a little too much, and she was a little bit too clingy and all that. Like, like hypersex hypersexualized, talking about the throbbing engine. Was well, there is that too. So it's like <laughs> just deal with that character, make her a little bit more um, human and less stylized, right? Um, caricature, yeah, yeah, caricature, um, and so and. So build up that drama between Kirk and Kodos and make it a little bit less like, you know, maybe, maybe not. And kind of have more of the, uh, you know, Kirk knows for sure. And there's a little bit more, maybe slightly more antagonism going on there. Cause it was pretty, there wasn't a whole lot of antagonism fr- coming from Kodos either 
ramp up the the antagonism or right. maybe focus more on the fact that uh Kodos is, you know, repentant or something or deal right. with like that he's forgotten or you know, put some more depth into it. Yeah. So, do you have a and I know this is very off the cuff, but do you have an actor choice in mind for Kodos? Um, it's okay if you don't because I know I'm just throwing it right at I you. don't um, mostly because like the older actors that I can think of definitely are too expensive yeah because my my gut goes Anthony Hopkins would be amazing but I mean that, one, that guy he's is, old too he's, 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 in, he's in everything and he was just in God we, I watched that Zack Snyder that new Rebel Moon and he's in that as a voice actor so it's just that that guy my God, he just loves he, doing stuff. So. He, he loves checks. He loves checks. I dig it. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm going to bring it back around to myself. And I, I picked a cheat uh, in more ways than one. And this probably won't be surprising, but I picked the menagerie parts one and two. Um, and you know, yeah, I said, now everybody, if you're not watching us on YouTube, I'm getting the stink eye from Jen in particular. Um, but I picked it for reasons that are probably extraordinarily obvious because again, I'm cheating because I'm, yeah, I'm taking, two, I'm taking it in two, but you know what? I'm the boss. I do what I want. Sometimes, sometimes it is good to be the King. Oh, it's good to be the King conscious of the King King with no conscience. Oh, there we go. Let me, uh, let me put that as the name of this episode here. So, um, the reason that for them. What's that? <laughs> Say that again. Context is for them. <laughs> uh, king with no conscience. All right. I'll clean that up later. But anyway, I, I did have a legit reason, at least in my opinion, for picking it. A, it's the great episode within an episode. And I do love that meme out there that says, hey, only in Star Trek can you have guys sitting in front of a big TV watching an episode of Star Trek. Because uh, that's really what the bulk of this two-parter was about. This was a mid-season because uh, this was episode uh, episodes. Oh, I didn't write. I think it was like 15 17. and 16. Yeah. Yeah. In air order. But you know. mm. yeah. So it, we'll call it mid season. It was a 30 episode season um, that they're like, hey, you know, we shot this pilot that NBC, you know, dumped on. They said it was too cerebral, um, but we still want to make something out of it. So it was shot in black and white. They colorized portions of it or, you know. Anybody correct my memory? Was it shot in color and then it was produced in black and white, or was it just originally? I don't remember. I don't remember what Turner uh, Classic Movies did with it. It never saw the light of day until the late '80s because there was a uh, video cassette re- released of it that I had when I was a kid. So it was filmed with interview segments with Gene Roddenberry that it was shot around the setting of the enterprise from star trek four i think so like or star trek three so it was those sets he was walking around the transporter set he was walking around some of the corridors so it was the tos film era regardless um but it was the first time that we as normal people ever got to see it but it tells you know the introduction of uh obviously of a lot of a few of our strange worlds characters including pike and spock and una number one um so this would have a chance to incorporate that. And of course, we're, we're turning the clock back about five years from when we know them in Strange New Worlds that, that everything uh, within the cage did, the unaired pilot did happen. And that was actually touched upon in season two of Discovery when we met Pike and so many of those characters again. Um, so they, bang, you got Susan Oliver's character, Avina, was I think Melissa George from Alias, if I'm not mistaken, uh, in Discovery. So you get to kind of revisit that, but you uh, get to have some great Spock moments. 
you get to put ants and makeup in that terrible chair makeup, which, you know, one beep for, one, one beep for yes, two beeps for no. Um, and, and the drama that kind of surrounds it. So, yes, you know what? It's my cheat. I'm going to stand by it. Um, it wouldn't be a cost saving for production because because they have to film two different things. Um, but whatever. I think it would be cool. And I love Anson Mount. Pike is my guy. Uh, so I'm going to stand by it. So there we go. Na 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 boo boo. Stick your head in doo doo. That's my response. Chen on to you. <laughs> Uh, I would like to see a take on Arena, knowing what we know now about the Gorn. I know we're a little bit tired of the Gorn as a main antagonist in Strange New Worlds. At least some of us are. I am not one of those people, though. And I think it's really interesting what they've done with them and to see kind of how they address the whole, like, we don't know what's going on here. We don't know who we're going up against versus the things that we do know from Strange New Worlds and to sort of reconcile the differences between what's presented in the original series and the new information that we have now. Um, the updated special effects alone would be great. I mean, I know that there's... Mm -hmm. um, I know the guy in the rubber suit is iconic. <laughs> So like, it's like I don't Godzilla. Wanna, yeah, like I don't want to mess with it too much, but like I think that I mean I think what we're leading up to with Strange New Worlds and the Gorn is different, um, different different life stages of Gorn, different iterations, different like species of Gorn within their own species. So like, I don't know. I just think that with more more information there, that could be really interesting. And I think redesigning the Metrons would also be a good thing to do there too because that that needs an update as well um i mean yeah. original series has its fair share of shiny silver togas and, <laughs> and as a uh, i am apollo dun, dun, yeah <laughs> you, you've got a lot of that and i mean we're going to be coming up on more of that in seasons two and three but yeah. um yeah i think to sort of redesign that i mean you wouldn't have to change too much about the story um depending on what we do learn about the Gorn now or later. Right. Um, and it could also be really interesting too, if seeing how this cliffhanger from season two resolves itself, if there's any sort of um, ideas of vengeance that someone might want to pull in from that. Some of the people who are on Strange New Worlds now uh, to kind of see what they might think or say about what's going on here. Um, what what is Spock going to do or think in this mm -hmm. particular case too? How does this affect kind of the characters that we already know? But mostly because I want to see how the updates with the Gorn. Right. Get that guy out of that rubber suit. All right, Aaron. Okay. So uh, uh, first of all, I love that picture. And I 100% agree with you on that. That was, that was I, I didn't think of that for mine, but that was a great choice. I was, the minute you said it, I was like, oh yeah. So yeah. awesome. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, for my second pick, um, I'm a little bit torn about putting this one out there because it's already a classic episode. It's nearly perfect. It's nearly flawless, but it's also one that we have the potential to play with a little bit because it gets a little timey-wimey. I'm going to have to go with uh, City on the Edge of Forever. Ooh, tough choice. Risky yeah, choice. I, I know. I, I agree. Yeah. I know. I mean, that's iconic. It's a great episode. But um, it, it's one I think worth revisiting uh, with our new cast uh, because it's such a good character study. 
You know, it, you really, you really get to see uh, what that dynamic of Spock, McCoy, and and Kirk are really made of, and it would be great to see what these new actors can bring to the role um, when they're really stripped down to the situation. Um, you know, plus you have the Guardian of Forever, with, you know, in, in its first canon appearance. Um, and and there's there's just so much that you could do there. Again, it's another episode where we have a lot of turn left potential moments, um, which is dangerous. It's dangerous to say, and, and, and I, I know I'm I'm asking for trouble here, but I I, I like playing with um, the formula a little bit, and I'd like to see what they could do. I especially love the idea with with my casting of uh, Misha Collins for my, my fan casting of Misha Collins for McCoy. I kind of like what he would what he would do with that moment of the uh, uh, cortisone um, exposure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and uh, uh, just that McCoy going crazy for the first half of the episode. I think that would be a lot of fun <laughs> as an actor to, to walk around with photos of him doing that kind of face. I think he could pull it off just yeah. Exactly, exactly. Crazy so, face. Yeah, I'm I, 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 I'm not going to lie. That was my first and primary reason uh, uh, for <laughs> picking that. this was Chicago's. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> All right, everybody. Count of three. One, two, three. <laughs> Hopefully that'll be the grab max for uses for YouTube, but we'll see. Oh, <laughs> I just want to right. something about that pick. I just want to mm-hmm. say um, one of the things that Strange New Worlds is doing that I really like is real similar to some of the stuff that the MCU is doing compared to the comics. And that's taking something that's the spirit of the story, but putting a twist on it for those mm. of us who are familiar with uh, the canon that came before. And I think because we've had all this timey-wimey stuff in Strange New Worlds, it could be really interesting to see how a take on a very classic and very known story like City on the Edge of Forever could play out where you would maybe have a very, you know, the similar outcome in the end, but how you get there is different. So mm. I I think that could be a real interesting pick. I like that. Yeah. Awesome. Thank, thank you. Yeah, I totally agree. Yeah. Good deal. Good deal. All right, Peter, take us home. In the spirit of Strange New Worlds needing a quote unquote dumb episode, um, <laughs> I'm going with Shore Leave. Oh. <laughs> that was my third pick. Oh, well, yeah. All right. All right. Tell me why. Tell me why. Mainly that first reason is we need <laughs> we need some cheese. It's got to be um, kind of like the, the musical episode, which like it or not like it, a musical episode is meant to be yeah, fun and silly. Or, or the episode enough? in season oh. one with the, with the yeah. Elysian yeah. Kingdom. That's, that's yeah. more where I'm leaning. Okay. Uh, okay. I like it. I like uh, it. So, but because you can, you have lots of like good character moments, lots of just ridiculous stupidity that is going on throughout this episode. Um, I just think that it would be a lot of fun, especially because you can, because we have better special effects, you can, you could like swap out some of the things that people see or add more things and just make it more obnoxious and more ridiculous. Um, And so I think there's just a lot of um, possibility with shore leave to just make it an absolute, just ridiculous fun fest for both the actors and for us watching it. That's cool. Good deal. And so yeah, yeah. So that makes me wonder. So if this, if this is, you know, if it's five years from now, and 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 Paramount Plus is going to produce a, hey, it's you know the reimagined TOS or whatever it is, and we get ten, yeah, ten episodes is the formula. So that would be, it would be very interesting to see what direction they would go in, you know, creating new stories, maybe morphing some of these together or creating some, you know, keeping it episodic or turning it into something that's a little bit more arc based. I'm fascinated, but I think that we've all come to the conclusion that um, this feels somewhat inevitable. 
that something like this w- will present itself in time uh, that we'll we'll see the oh Jen no I think what's, I think what's more likely to happen is that they're going to take elements from the original series episodes and sort of merge and combine them rather than straight out remakes okay. of episodes. Okay, you're going to have stuff that feels similar but isn't an exact one for one. Okay. Except in cases of iconic episodes like City on the Edge of Forever, probably. Right. Gotcha. Very interesting. Well, this was awesome, you guys. Thanks for thanks for indulging me. And we're going to keep this train rolling in our next episode where we each jump into season two. Uh, and since, as there are no more two-parters, I won't, I won't pull my faint again. So I will faithfully pick uh, something that is a single-part episode. But uh, yeah, no, I look forward to it. So this Oh, that wasn't why I thought you were cheating. It wasn't the two-part episode. It's that you said we couldn't do the cage. So right, but I it, but it's, I it's a three way cheat. One, it's yeah. the two parters. Two, it's the cage, and three, it's getting Pike in there. It's just oh, a three way cheat. Fine, uh, I got a real beauty on my hands. It's okay. I'll, I'll allow it. Uh, and I'll allow it by moving on to segment two. Oh, look at that segue. <laughs> All right. Well, we're starting a new series this week, and uh, you know I'm going to be handing a lot of the reins over to this program's number one Star Trek Voyager fan oh, because we're, we're getting into. Well, I didn't mean it quite like that. I'm not going to be like, all right, I'm going to go get coffee. Uh, Jen, take over from here. Uh, no, we're getting into season four uh, of Star Trek Voyager, which much like uh, season four of Star Trek Deep Space Nine, which we wrapped up, it was, hey, the ratings are kind of shitty. We need to do something to pump them up. In this case, we got a pretty lady. Hey, look, it worked because the show got more popular. To, I mean, I go back and look at Nielsen's. I was watching it. I won't say the whole time, but I was watching it up until this point. So it didn't change things for me. And it may not have changed things for anybody else who's on this program who was already. Oh, look at Jen updated her background and everything. I like it. Um, but it did obviously change the focus of the show because we got a new interesting character uh, rooted amongst one of the most what becomes the most complex uh, races within Star Trek as well. So um, I am talking about Jerry Ryan's portrayal of seven of nine, and we're jumping into wrapping up uh, the cliffhanger, which we talked about the first part of it many, many moons back when we were wrapping up season three of uh, Star Trek Voyager uh, way back when. But anyway, uh, part one or episode one of what we're going to talk about is uh, Scorpion part two. Uh, director is Winrich Colby, stalwart of the series. Uh, we have uh, Braga and Minoski doing the writing. So again, big episodes written by the big hitters. Uh, from September 3 of 1997, I remember uh, watching this because, again, I had I had reengaged as a Voyager viewer later in the third season. Um, and then I, I tuned back in. I think actually the finale was one of those that I was like, oh, my God, I'm back into it. And then so waiting, you know, throughout that summer to get that wrapped up. But all right. The quick summary, Janeway and Tuvok work with the Borg and meet Seven of Nine as they collaborate on developing a weapon against Species 8472 in an exchange for safe passage through Borg space. Yeah, I'm inundated by my my wonderful memories of how super cool I thought this was. New character, fresh blood, you know, different direction for the show. Um, I mean, again, early in season three, I had kind of quit watching because I was like, eh, they just it, it, we didn't have a hook. We didn't have I didn't have a super compelling drive to watching the show every week because I, I didn't find any one of the characters was really blowing my mind. And not to say that seven came along and, and kind of her story, which becomes 
in particular, a very big focus of season four, uh, is what turned the tables for me. But it did make things, in my opinion, more interesting. So I enjoyed this episode very much. Satisfactory cliffhanger. Um, you get, uh, and this tends to happen in a lot of cliffhangers, but, you know, Janeway, I, I, I said once that she was going rogue and Jen said she wasn't going rogue. She was just doing what she does. And she was. She really, you know, has mm-hmm. to do a lot of standing alone. Uh, she and Chakotay come to odds uh, because he doesn't want to pursue a, a collaboration with the Borg. He sees how dangerous it is. Um, but at the end of the day, uh, they end up collaborating and it ends up, you know, saving them when when uh, Seven turns out to be the scorpion in the parable, uh, where at the end of it, she still tries to to double cross them, but they, they outsmart her. So, uh, and at the end of it, boom, she's disconnected from the Borg and she's going to be part of the gang. Well, it doesn't happen quite that easily, but we said, no, it doesn't. It becomes part of the regular cast. She becomes part of the regular cast. Um, I'm going to do this. I will, uh, I'll let, I'm going to let Jen wrap things up because I'm sure she's going to have the most Voyagery Voyager speak of all of us. Uh, so I'll go to my least Voyager person. That would be Peter, uh, to get his take. Ouch. Uh, oh, that wasn't an insult. It's just a, that's just, you know, what to each their own IDIC, my friend. Okay. Um, this was definitely a great episode for me. Um, I was watching this well after the series was done. Um, I didn't have access to uh, be able to watch it while it was on. Um, so like I knew what was basically what was going to happen. I knew the character introductions, but it was still very, very, um, cool for me to see how seven of nine was brought onto the crew um seeing actually seeing the collaboration between voyager and the borg because originally like i heard that that was going to happen i was like well, this is gonna be stupid because um, <laughs> the borg are essentially a force of nature and so right. it's like how are you going to ally yourself I'm going to collaborate. I'm going to collaborate, collaborate with this tornado. Watch me. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. Be, I mean, the result is the same. It's going to work out so swimmingly for you, but um, it was very interesting to see how they made that work and how they had to like use their just absolute, you know, biological chaos to make sure that the uh, Borg didn't take over the ship at the end. Um, but I, I also thought like the the way that they use species eight four seven two and this was really cool and fluidic space and all of that. So there's there's a lot of cool concepts in this, uh, especially adding like that element of this is so weird the board can't adapt to it quickly, and then bringing in the nanoprobes, which becomes such a big deal later on in the show and in uh, first contact and and further Borg lore developments. Um, so there's just a lot of really cool stuff in this episode. Um, Excellent, good deal, Aaron. Yeah, no, I know. I, I don't want to uh, mirror everything Peter said, but yeah, absolutely. hundred uh, percent. I love the Borg and this was uh, such a great evolution of uh, their storyline based on, you know, the changes made in the first contact film in terms of um, their, their update with their technology and, and the queen Mephos and everything. And, and the introduction of seven of nine, you know, I feel that she was a great character and uh, I enjoyed seeing her character progress uh, uh, throughout Voyager after this, but overall, yeah, solid episode. And, and of course, I always love the parable of the scorpion and the frog. I'm always quoting that to people. Uh, it comes up a lot more often in my life than I'd care to admit. But uh, just just really great tale, real great take on it, and some really great moments in this episode. Cool. Good deal. All right, Jen. Voyagerize us up. Oh, gosh. <laughs> no pressure. <laughs> no pressure. Um, 
this episode continues where it, uh, where it left off as a great character piece for Janeway in particular because it does show that she is going to do whatever it takes, but it's, she's also going to do whatever it takes on her own terms. In particular, how she is not going to be assimilated by any, like not even a little bit. Like they're like, oh, it's just a little bit of assimilation. It'll be fine. And she's like, no. No, it's not. Uh, we're we're not going to do that. You're going to give us a speaker like you did with Lacutus. And, you know, Janeway in that sense created Seven of Nine in the way that she is now. So um, the relationship between Janeway and Seven continues to evolve from here. And, I mean, they, they do continue to butt heads and such. I mean, we'll see that as the series goes on. Um, but I just... I really like this for Janeway. Uh, I know that Cass is starting to kind of, you know, she's getting her like extra special powers now too that we're going to see her coming off the show. That's the next episode though. Um, everything just sort of blends together. I'm sorry. That's um, okay. Yeah. This, uh, I was watching this when it first aired and I was skeptical. Um I remained skeptical, actually, the first time I saw this, uh, but I'm very happy to have been proven wrong, especially after the fact. Yeah. Um, Seven really shook everything up, and mm-hmm. she did it by being herself, you know, being the individual that still longs for the collective, and, you know, there's hands being held out to her, and she refuses them. And, um, you know, her whole thing about, like, send me back. I don't belong here. She She's doing what she can to want to go back and do things, you know, the way that she feels like she's supposed to. Um, it's a great introduction for her. Yeah. That's, you know, shaking things up and we'll see where it goes from here. Shake and bake. All right. Well, speaking of, I'm, I'm at Matasha episode two. Why don't you tip us off? And right. uh, we'll roll from there. Go for it. We've got The Gift, uh, directed by Anson Williams, written Potsy! by Potsy! Sorry. It's a, <laughs> he, he was Potsy on Happy Days. This is his later career. I, I kid you not. Okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> written by Joe Minoski, uh, September 10th, 1997. Kess's mental abilities develop to a point where they endanger Voyager while the Doctor and Janeway slowly help Seven of Nine cope with being severed from the Borg. So this is the episode where Seven is like, you must send me back. I will not. You must comply. You must send me back. And Cass is starting to um, develop the telekinesis. The force powers. Yeah. It's like Cass is the one that actually does the work of of severing Seven, um, at least in part, because she's telekinetically – dissolving some of the the Borg implants that are in Seven's brain. So that's doing part of it. Um, the stuff with Kessa, she's starting to like warp the ship. She's like ruining Tuvok's favorite lamp. Rude. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, and she's realizing that she has to leave. Uh, there's a lot of really... I know on the Delta Flyers, they had covered this at one point when they were talking about how this was stuff that a lot of the actual actors were feeling uh, when they were having the scenes with Cass. And it's it's palpable mm-hmm. in watching this episode that they're all very sad to see Jennifer Lean go. Um, so it, 
it's sad in that way, but, um, you know, the show must go on and mm-hmm. it goes on and Kes leaves them with, uh, another jump in space closer to their destination. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, meanwhile, Janeway and seven are going on about like, you have to send me back. And Janeway's like, no, I'm not going to do that. You're going to stay here because you're not part of the collective anymore. And, you know, the damage is already done at that point. So at the end of the episode, we have Seven looking more human. She still has her Borg implants, but she's, you know, she's not like full Borg anymore. But she does spend most of this episode full Borg, which is right. Yeah, it's pretty cool. I thought that it happened earlier, but it didn't. Yeah. Most def. I, uh, I'll, I'll sneak in here and then I'll, I'll kick it back, uh, to the rest of you guys, but the, the show must go on. I, I like that because it's a great analogy for this program. We've been on for 115 episodes and I've, I've rotated through a bunch of other people that have done it with me and Oxford needling me says, Hey man, one more switch and you ought to give it up. And no, I'll never, frankly, I'll never give it up. I mean, if I end up getting down to the nub and you guys all desert me, I'll just be here talking to myself because I also <laughs> believe, uh, that you do have to soldier forward no matter what, if you you, you know, if you have uh, if you have something that has hopefully even a small fan base, like I hope this show does, uh, I'm happy to go on making it. So um, I, I don't know how I necessarily felt about the convenience of Kess. Like, no, I've got superpowers and they're super dangerous. It came a bit from season two. Remember when uh, when actor Gary Graham uh, guest starred in that episode where he was another member of the species, and she's like, "We can unlock your powers." And then we got bits and pieces of that. But all of a sudden, her you know her experience with eight four seven two just quantum leaped her forward. Yes, it's convenient, I suppose, because uh, it was an easy way to kind of get her out of the way. Maybe it'd been something that had been planned for longer than than we know. I haven't done that much, you know deep digging into it she had been having some problems um she had not been well yeah um so there had been signs that she was not going to be the best fit for the show Mm. um anymore and it was not just a matter of replacing her with someone i think that she probably would have left the show regardless of whether they had a replacement or not and who that replacement might have been Right. Gotcha. So, um, and I know that her life since then has been, been kind of a hard luck story and that's, that's unfortunate. And I, you know, I, I hope that she finds peace in some way, shape or form, but, uh, you know, as far as an episode of seeing, you know, how it transitioned seven into a member of the cast, it was done with a lot of, uh, I think a lot of skill with the way, like Jen was saying, they, they, you know, she was, I gotta go, I gotta go. And you know what now, until, you know, you can make a, you know, you're not in your right frame of mind, you know, this is, uh, you know, I'm going to make these decisions for you. And, and it does set the pace for their relationship as it continues throughout the rest of the series. It all starts here. Um, so yeah, I was, I was very impressed with this episode. If not like, Oh, that was kind of convenient with the stuff with Kess, but it had to be something. Um, and it was, yeah, even if it was a short run up, I think they kind of did it in the best way possible, but we lost another damn shuttlecraft, uh, which when we see her back in season six, she still has a different ship. So she could have at least brought that one back. I mean, come on. She's got, why does she need a ship in the first place? She's, you know, she turns into whatever it is that she turns into. So anyway, all right, Peter. Um, I really liked how this episode, I mean, it's, it's, most of what's been said is needs to be said has already been said, but I liked the, uh, I, th- I think it's Q's term, the deborgification of seven. Right. Uh, <laughs> like deboning a chicken. Yeah. <laughs> so it, 
it's just interesting <laughs> to see like how because like we saw like a little bit of that in best of both worlds where they deborgified picard yeah which was um, t- took five minutes which didn't take that long I mean, he's good assimilated for you know a couple days right yeah. exactly as opposed to seven when she was a child right yeah so she's got like implants that have been like grown around and adapted to and and right. all of this stuff which you know gets brought up in this episode which is quite interesting so we get a little bit more in depth on how borg assimilation works we get to see the various stages of removing parts so like here's this implant gone here's this implant gone and you also see like how throughout at seven is like losing her connection to what she thinks is the most important part of her world right Uh, and it's interesting to see how the character goes through that um and how she responds to it because it's 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 not just like the destruction of her world but it's also they almost treat it like a, a withdrawal in a way um which i thought was an interesting uh, take on how how over time your mind adapts to the collective and everything um, and almost becomes biologically dependent on it um, so like having her character deal with that so you can you can have those sorts of things but not have it directly dealing with what we normally associate with um, withdrawal so you can have it it's there it's present you can have characters have to handle it but not in not with the uh, stigma attached I suppose um, so I like that analogy a lot so it, it was interesting with, with how that worked. Um, Kess leaving was, uh, again, for me, I watched the show way later. Um, so I already knew all of this was coming up. Um, so it was, it was, it was a decent send off for the character. Um, because it was like, okay, so well, she has to leave, but we are replacing her, but we don't want it to be like abrupt. And I was, I was glad that they didn't do what like some shows do of like, Hey, we're replacing the character. What's the solution? We're going to blow the other one up. Yeah. Um, she fell off a cliff. Yeah. So I was happy, accident. You know, yeah. I, I'm happy. We didn't do a bridge on the captain moment with Kest. Um, <laughs> oh man. Oh, rough stuff. All right, Aaron. Uh, yeah, again, I have to say, uh, the, the best parts of this episode have already been covered. And um, I, I I will preface this by saying I, I, I feel that in some ways I, 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 I don't have a right to kind of criticize this episode because I didn't really watch Voyager um, back in the day. And I'm kind of catching up on it now after everything's been said and said and done. And I, I, I love all the actors. I think they did a great job and I think they did a fantastic job in some cases with what they had to work with story-wise, but I was kind of glad to see Kess leave. Um, And I hate, I hate to say that I feel very shallow saying that. And, and I hate that I'm saying that, but um, uh, I found her character to be problematic at best sometimes, especially with her relationships with uh, Neelix and everything like that. Well, that's true. (laughs) Um, So I, I kind of felt like her leaving was just kind of like in some ways a breath of fresh air for me because she made me very uncomfortable. Um, Okay. I'm sorry to say that. I I really am like, nothing against the actress or or the writers or anything like that. It just, it just, to me, it it was, it was weird. (laughs) It was weird. And it was weird at the time too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Big time. Crazy. All right. Well, let's move it along. Uh, we'll give uh, someone who's a big old lover Klingons. That would be Peter. Give us episode three. Uh, episode three is Day of Honor. Balana tries to observe the Klingon Day of Honor after the warp core is lost. Whoopsie. Very sitcom. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Um, hang on. There we go. Um, just need to pull up 
stuff. So we get this is this is like one of the earlier episodes that actually deals with like a focus on Bolana as a character. Right. Um, and while a lot of people are go like, oh no, more Klingon stuff, it's 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 you know it's essential to her character, so it's important to have. Um, it's also interesting how you have like like Bolana is very different from how Worf is with celebrating Klingon holidays. Cause she hates everything. Yeah. She's just like, Klingon like, stuff sucks. Yeah. She's yeah. just like, I don't really care. Uh, yeah. She doesn't want to do it. <laughs> right. Necessarily. Um, but like after, after a while, like, you know, she kind of comes around to it, it to an extent, um, which is again, interesting. Um, uh, we have some more seven of nine character development. Um, her looking at her name. Um, so I think this is also the episode where we get um, the more elements of the Paris and Bolana thing with them getting stuck out in spacesuits. Right. Yeah. Oh, they get, they get, one. they get close as far as people get close to space. Cause they have the, I love you. And then they're like, Oh, the episode's over. So it well, was, they have to, yeah, they have to like yeah. save oxygen. So they're like, yeah. Serving it somehow by at no, no time for no time for love. Like Paris is, yeah filter is dying and so they have to reconnect i don't remember right. exactly um but you have a whole bunch of stuff where Bolana tries to like help fix an alien ship it goes south as as you know the packlets have shown us back in tng season two you know trying to help people always goes wrong right uh, just don't help people just don't do it yeah it's the worst thing to do uh <laughs> so um but yeah there's a lot of like back and forth between torres and um paris which you know for some of us, that's like, oh, look, they like each other because you're sarcastic and horrible to each other. And that's what that means. <laughs> oh, um, that's love to some people, I guess. <laughs> yeah. So, um, but anyway, there, there's just some good character stuff here and seeing how, yeah. how Bolana's relationship to both her culture and then her relationship to um, her, her job. And then to, to Tom kind of all gets tied, tied around and, right. and looked at from various angles. It's, it's, it's an interesting episode. It is. And like I said, and it's kind of a sitcom way because she's like, it's almost the kind of an alley we feel like, this is the worst day of my life. Meh, meh. But it still, again, really works out. And this one was written by uh, Jerry Taylor, who co created the series and, as I bring up quite frequently, wrote the only two canonical Star Trek novels, which would be Janeway's backstory and the, the backstory mm-hmm. of a lot of the other characters. Um, and yes, we do get what has been building from the mid to late part of season three, which is the growing friendship, will they, won't they, of of Paris and Torres, which culminates uh, not in this episode, but it at least takes its its big quantum leap forward. So, so I, I yeah, I like it. Uh, and I do, we get our first, uh, you know, occurrence of uh, Seven having to, uh, deal with things on, you know, because she's the one who's able to solve the problem at the end of the episode. But she's like, well, you know, it's not, you know, they're like, well, why didn't you mention this earlier when she reveals whatever the, the you know, hey, we can generate thorium isotopes for these aliens who are who are hoarding us hostage or whatever. And she's like, why didn't you tell us that earlier? And she's like, well, the Borg usually, you know, don't do that kind of thing, but I'm not Borg anymore. So I guess I better start acting like a person. So, eh, you know, she takes little baby steps. Uh, to be inhuman, and you know, and I think that that's I think that that's pretty cool. We also get the very cool warp core ejection sequence uh, of a, a ship at warp. That was pretty sweet. Yay! And then you do learn that the rumored uh, second 
warp core that Voyager has is not a plug and play warp core. It's just bits and pieces that stored elsewhere in the ship. But you see in the schematics that there's another warp core, but you can't just go and there we go and plug it back in. So um, because that would that would just be too easy. It's the same reason why we never see the aero shuttle. It'd be cool if we saw the aero shuttle, but it's postulated that that uh, the ship doesn't actually have one. They just have a piece of styrofoam stuck in there to hold place for it because it was getting installed on Tuesday. Womp womp. <laughs> um, Aaron, you're here. Seen anybody yeah. use the captain's yacht before? No, never. <laughs> no, well, they, uh, you do an insurrection. Insurrection. You get to see yeah. the Enterprise 8. And then lower decks. And then lower decks, exactly. All right, Aaron, your thoughts. Uh, you know, I love this episode. Uh, it's another great um, – I'm such a sucker for uh, the Zeppo episodes in, in, in some ways, uh, you know, where you kind of just go on ground level with a character you not necessarily get to see focused on – a, a lot and just see the world from their perspective for a while. And, and, and that was a, a really great opportunity, but for, for my review, I really want to focus on the one scene where, um, you know, you've got seven of nine who's still integrating into the crew a lot. And there's this great scene where she's attempting to get along with Bellana and Bellana like, decides to, let's just talk about the elephant in the room. She goes, do you feel guilt over everything that you've done, you're you well, not you specifically, nope. but you've experienced, yeah, you experienced from the collective. She's like, nope, not at all. I, I think that was such a great moment because, in a lot of ways, Balana with her heritage kind of feels a burden and a sense of guilt from being Klingon for all the things that they've done, and that kind of manifests itself in a form of self hatred, you know, for her heritage and everything like that. It was just kind of a fun contrast to see, you know, someone who carries this burden, this weight with her in every decision she makes contrasted with seven of nine who's just like no nah, that, that wasn't me you know <laughs> you, you know yeah yeah, yeah 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 unsubscribe you know it, it, i i just thought that was a really cool unsubscribe. moment subscribe <laughs> oh. like unsubscribe from the board please yeah, yes, yeah, exactly. yeah. oh good my, my seven my seven day trial is uh is not renewed uh, <laughs> oh very good all right jen um yeah, I like this episode. I like Balana. I like looking into kind of what makes her tick and how that contrasts with everyone else. Um, I especially like the comparisons between Balana and Worf because Worf is the Klingoniest Klingon to ever Klingon, but he does it because of stuff he's read in books because he was adopted by humans. Whereas Balana is like, I mean, she's coming by it honestly, despite being half human because she's raised on Earth. So they're seeing her as more Klingon than more human. So that's what she's going to kind of carry with her and identify with. But she has problems like actually um, being proud of it at all uh, because it's been such a source of pain for her in her life. It's the reason that she was teased as a kid. It's it's a, it's a burden for her to be Klingon. Um, and the episode addresses, you know, your burdens, like, uh, like Aaron was saying, the episode, uh, the, the scene between Bellana and Seven, where they're talking about, aren't you burdened? Shouldn't you be burdened? Shouldn't you feel guilty about this? Um, the, the sort of sniping between her and Tom is, it is how they show love to each other, though, because both of them, I don't know how much we've seen in the show so far about their pasts, but, you know, Bellana had a troubled past within her family. Uh, Tom had sort of a troubled past within his family, too. Both of them don't really feel like their parents really care about them too much. So how do you show love when that's a thing that when you, you don't sure experience that you've been much, loved? Yeah. You, yeah. 
by giving someone else attention and that attention might be sniping and teasing and picking on each other. So it is kind of this like, you know, unloved kids finding love in each other. And that's a lot of what Voyager is in the long run when you really think about it. Um, And I think that's great. But I see these themes that maybe not everyone sees because Voyager does have this big reset button at the end of every episode. Yeah. Um, But one of the things I like about this is that the relationship between Tom and Bellana does continue. Right. Yeah. Season four is when it starts to get a little bit more continuity um, Mm -hmm. because you have character arcs. You can still, they're still very episodic, but you can see things sort of building and flowing and changing. Right. Right. Um, Which strange new worlds also does very well now because you see Spock and chapel and how that grows and it ebbs and flows and Mm -hmm. grows and ebbs and flows like that. Ryman. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Good deal. All right. Well, we've come upon, in my opinion, the first stinker of the season, and I'm going to give it to Aaron. Aaron, give us episode four, please. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Oh, it was my uh, <laughs> Episode four, Nemesis, directed by Alexander Singer, written by Kenneth Biller, and this originally premiered September 24th, 1997. Chakotay helps fight in an alien war. Very descriptive. Boring. Yeah. No, you yeah. were saying? <laughs> <laughs> oh man, yeah. I will. I'll, I'll give my short and sweet. Uh, this one hundred percent feels like it was a holdover script because it doesn't incorporate any of the continuity that happened in the previous three episodes. There's no seven. Uh, there's no interaction. Uh, there's no continuation of the plot line uh, between Tom and Bolana, which ended the previous episode. Um, it's just like, oh, well, during this other time, Chakotay went to go find some rocks or whatever, and then he crashed, and then he's in the middle of this thing. And at the end of it, it's a big switcheroo, and it's just like, ugh. This was, yeah, I remember watching this thinking this was definitely a script that they're like, oh, we didn't squeeze this one into season three, uh, so let's just slide it in right now. And there's also a real weird scene uh, in when they're getting ready to go. They're like, hey, we're ready to rescue him, and it's Tom and Tuvok and Janeway, and Tom's like, I'll be the one to go get him. Bam, let's do it. And I'm like, dude, go back and fly the ship and just get the hell out of here. It's just, it's re- it's like a real weird moment, uh, like a real out of character moment for Tom, who is not like, oh, well, Tuvok's the main badass, but I'm badass number two. It just, nothing about this episode worked for me. It was dumb. Then you had the weird alien, like weird speak that like, oh, we're under the trunks and beside the thing and yada, yada, yada. It's just, oh. This was one was all over the place for me, and the place where it was 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 crap town. Did not care for it. <laughs> Zero stars. Do not recommend. <laughs> all right, Aaron, back to you, please. Yeah, I, I, I got to say, I'm going to go a little bit off the rails here. Um, and bear with me. I come back oh. around. Um, the, the, when I was in high school, I did this play called uh, uh, Charlie Brown. I, I'm sure you've, you've heard of Charlie I, Brown. I, and, I, you're a good man, Charlie Brown. I've done yeah. uh, scenes from that in a variety yeah. show once in high school. Yeah. Well, I, I played Charlie Brown, and, and there was this song that I had to do called A Book Report on Peter Rabbit. And in in it, you're, he's, he's, telling, he's trying to um, give his opinions on Peter Rabbit, and it ends up turning into talking about Robin Hood which has nothing to do with the story that he's talking about. I'm going to do that for you now. So um, this episode uh, reminded me of uh, this game franchise that I really love called Mass Effect. 
um, which was a PlayStation classic. And one of the themes that I really enjoyed about that game that they explored was this concept of indoctrination. Mm-hmm. And and this is where it comes back around. Yeah. Uh, it, it's This episode was exploring those similar themes of indoctrination, and it was really interesting to see the breakdown and de-evolution of Chakotay's mind in this experience. And they, they did such a great job um, with the character slowly, almost not noticeably changing his dialect over the course of the episode and starting to talk like his captors and everything and, and mimic what they were doing. And, and if, if there was anything that was really good about this episode, I think that that was a very subtle and excellent way of exploring that concept and kind of seeing that. So that's, 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 one of the good things I had to say about this episode. I, I, I think I'll probably leave it at that. <laughs> Smart. All right. We'll go Jen and then we'll finish with Peter. Jen, go for it. So this is a bad episode. Yes. Okay. Uh, I also agree with what Aaron has said is that they were really trying to do something here. They're really trying to show how language changes people and it changes the way that you do think and i get what they were trying to do they didn't do it very well um and that's the thing when you have a 26 episode series season you swing and miss at some points um i aaron hit on what i was gonna say so i'm i'm good all right peter You, you get the scraps. <laughs> I mean, there's not a whole lot more to say. Um, I do like the quote near the end where Chakotay says, I wish it were as easy to stop hating as it was to start. No. Um, yeah. Nailed it. That is. Yeah. Probably. Probably. That's, the episode. Having been on the receiving end of that, I can definitely see how that's something that, you know, some people need to hear more if yeah, only because yeah. it's like, just because someone hates you, um, and like you reconcile, it's going to take a little while. And so, it, you know, um, or if you hate something else and it takes a long while to turn around from that, that's just because of how human psychology works to an extent. Um, and so it's like, there, so there's the, the interesting thing at the end is that there's a little bit of a focus on like, yes, Chicote was indoctrinated. And so he did, you know, bad things or he started to hate people because he was taught to do so. And so then he has to unlearn what he has learned and that's going to take a while. Um, and that's okay. It's going to be rough. It's going to be rough for everyone else. But, um, but the fact that they brought it up, I mean, it doesn't show up ever again, but, um, but the fact that they mentioned it, I think is something that was, you know, some, that, that's a concept that I think could and should be explored in a different episode at some point. Right. Um, so. But it but it wasn't, which really made this feel that much more like a throwaway, you know. So it, it like a, like a lot of Chicote episodes, unfortunately. It is it is unfortunate that they didn't really do much with Chicote. I think a lot of that had to do with the fact that they uh, their consultant was a fraud. Oh God, so that's they right. Couldn't do well, there was a lot that, with that. So yeah, uh, I hadn't heard but, about that until years later. It was actually on this show that that yeah. Kay, one of our other hosts, had mentioned that to me. I wasn't aware that that happened at all. That was all but, news to me. Beside that point, I think that they deal with this theme a lot with Seven over the course of the yeah. of the series, really. So this episode with Chakotay is an encapsulation, in a way, of that. And they kind of address that with Bolana in the last episode, too. It's about culture and 
how you how you embrace or don't the culture and what your what you the culture that you come from how that affects you and the way that you interact with other people and how other people perceive you. And I know that with this episode in particular, Chakotay was really only with these people for, I mean, a short amount of time, especially compared to growing up in a culture, um, which, you know, the others, it, it is, you know, growing up within a culture. I don't know. I think there's, I think there is something more to say mm-hmm. here. Um, but it happens throughout the rest of the season with a theme of this chunk of episodes rather than, you know, this one was just, it was ineffective in a lot of ways. That's fair. That's fair. No, I totally agree. All right. I'm going to jump on episode five, uh, which gives us a great co-star uh, or, or a great, you know, guest star and character actor that I'm super happy with. Episode five is Revulsion, uh, directed mm. by Ken Biller. Uh, Lisa Klink, who is uh, was emerging in the writing room at this time and becomes a, a very big part, certainly as the series goes on. And I know that she's uh, she's been on the Delta Flyers with uh, with Robbie and Garrett as well. So she's still out there uh, from October of 97, a hologram contacts Voyager and the doctor is excited to meet another hologram. Again, these I got to start importing better descriptions because these are really bad. <laughs> I usually take my big poll from uh, Wikipedia and then, uh, yeah, I just I got to do I'll do better because this doesn't really spark much conversation. Uh, but anyway, our guest uh, hologram is Leland Orser, uh, who is a that guy that you've seen in absolutely anything to this day. I know most recently he was on the uh, the televised adaption of American Gigolo, which John Bernthal was the main character in that. Uh, and he was the... Uh, he was the the husband of he, he was a, a husband character a scumbag in that so but always just plays a weirdo or a creep or somebody who's perhaps disreputable or just overall kind of creepy and scary and he does that really good in this episode but um, my favorite part of this uh, is the opening sequence which is Tuvok's uh, promotion luncheon um, and reminds me just why I love Tim Russ so much I met him only extraordinary or extraordinarily briefly myself at Star Trek Las Vegas because. One of my biggest gripes about uh, about the creation and their con is that the vast majority of the actors who are there are paywalled. You're only going to see them if you do an autograph for a photo op, and that is not my thing. Respect people that enjoy that, but I'm not one of them. So I never got to meet Tim Russ, except when he was walking to his panel. It was the very last day, and I said, Mr. Russ, and he looked over at me and gave me a very Tuvok-like kind of grimace. And I thought, oh, I'll take that as my interaction with Tim Russ. I like that. But I love that. He says, yes, in my four years on Voyager, I have come to respect a great number of you. Others, I have learned to tolerate. And it, that elicited a chuckle. It's a very Bilbo moment. Uh, but yeah, it was it was great. And I, I, I enjoyed the Tuvok character. I would I would put him up there as as certainly my favorite of the original cast uh, from from the beginning. Uh, I, I, enjoy, I enjoy his portrayal very much. And then Jen and I also got to enjoy him on a recent episode of Sequest that we talked about over on our Patreon. Yes. So jump back and listen to that because he was really great. As Was it, was it Mine, Minecraft? Mycroft? Was Mycroft. Mycroft on that. Um, but yeah, I like this. Great, great. Yeah, yeah, Minecraft. Great Doctor episode because you got to, you know, for all his griping about everybody treats me like crap and blah, blah, blah. 
blah, blah, blah. He gets to meet this other hologram that has it a lot worse than he does. Plus his matrix is unstable. He's homicidal. He killed everybody on his ship. Um, but the doctor, you know, absolutely wants to give him the benefit of the doubt because, you know, kindred spirits. Right. But in the end of it, he, you know, it turns into a, uh, Hey, the bad guy, you know, it's one of those like in a horror movie where the bad guy's not really dead. Shoot him one more time because they thought they had erased him, but then he came back and he's, you know, so, um, yeah, I enjoy this episode. Plus we get a, we get a satisfactory conclusion of what happened two episodes ago with Tom and Belanda's love decoration and they get the big smooch and, um, yeah, I liked this episode. I, I and I remember seeing it the first time and being like, yay, romance. I think I was single at the time. So, you know, yay, romance. I wish it was me. <laughs> but yeah, I like this episode. Uh, Jen. I think that this is going to actually continue that theme because you have the other hologram, you know, coming up with his prejudices that are sort of based in, again, the culture that he grows up in and how he's treated as a hologram. And in a way, it sort of sets off some of the stuff that happens with the doctor later uh, and his kind of, you know, liberate the photonics stuff. Uh, it's a good seed for some of that. Um, it is a good int- uh, episode. This is an interesting episode. I also really like the Tom and Bellana of it and Tuvox promotion. Um, not really much more to say about it. It's it, it's a solid episode. It uh, has some stuff that you don't really see coming, and then it does happen, like with the um, just everything being holographic for the other guy. Uh, that was that was kind of a neat twist yeah. there. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So um, next. <laughs> Good deal. Peter. Um, another interesting episode with the doctor. Uh, you see these points come up a l- more later with all of the hologram liberation stuff in later seasons. Um, so I think, I don't think this is necessarily the seminal moment for that. Um, but it's interesting how like he's starting to do the, I, you know, the I'm unappreciated and, you know, taking advantage of all that. Um, and so it's interesting for him to be like, oh, this is so horrible. And then he's like, oh, this this one's so much worse. And then also he's so much worse. Um, <laughs> so uh, so it's, it's it's interesting to see that juxtaposition, but also like those again, I don't remember if this is the, the moment, but it's like those seeds are planted in the doctor so that, you know, you get holographic rights and the, all that stuff later. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. It kind of starts that ball rolling. Yeah. That happens. Definitely. Well, later that's, on. that's way, way, way down the road, but yeah, but just like the fact that this is here, um, yeah. we also yes. get some more, uh, Ensign Kim bashing. <laughs> as it yeah, right. Harry Kim. <laughs> Poor yeah. guy. He just like, you get what's going on, but it's like, man, that yeah, just, that just sucks. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. I didn't even touch on the, the whole subplot. with This is the one where it's the whole subplot with him and he's kind of crushing on he's crushing, Seven. Like, I mean, because she, she, she's, she's a proxy lady. Sort of yeah. He's like, oh, she's yeah. kind of nice. And then she's like, I have seen how you watch me and, it's, and all this like, stuff. It's very. You, it, yeah. She's it, basically. She doesn't take know your, how social cues yeah. work. So it's like it, it it's understandable. Yeah. But it's just <laughs> right. it's like, man. Kim has to be the whipping horse for this one again. He is. He's the O'Brien of this show because a lot of bad stuff happens to him. You know, yeah. it's this. And, and he yeah. still never gets that promotion. He never gets that hollow pip. That that poor, poor guy. Tisk tisk tisk. All right, Aaron. Uh, I mean, I think you've all really touched on some of the best talking points. Um, but I, I will um, I will say that this is another example of, of Star Trek uh, not, pardon the pun, not being afraid to uh, delve into horror elements 
uh, and, and really kind of explore that. And I and I really appreciate and I love that because with this uh, this character of of the this hologram just just really giving off some serial killer vibes in a lot of ways and and alluding to some. Um, concepts of deeper darker uh, uh abuse and everything that he's gone through to make him the monster he is in this episode it's just it's just really um really really a great use of um of you know science fiction horror at its finest i think in a lot of ways mm-hmm. cool good deal i like it all right well we're moving on to a pretty pivotal seven of nine episode uh which i will give to my favorite of seven of nine cosplayer in the whole wide world <laughs> Jen Watson. All right. Uh, episode six is The Raven, uh, directed by LeVar Burton. Woo! Teleplay by Brian Fuller. Story by Brian Fuller and Harry Clore. Seven of Nine experiences Borg flashbacks as she attempts to become more human. That's a weird description, but whatever. <laughs> but that's what happens. It's accurate. That's true. That's you know, true. It's, it's accurate. Um I mean, I like this. Of course, it's a seven episode, so I am going to be a little bit biased here. But I think that this is a really good uh, example of the metaphor that that Peter used that I hadn't actually heard described before of the board collective being more like an addiction because you have her going through some of these sort of withdrawal symptoms. Mm -hmm. Um, You have her still wanting to be part of the collective and comparing what it means to be part of the collective versus being an individual. And um, these, these flashbacks that she has of her past while she's trying to become more human. I, and uh, it's, it's a great character piece for her. Um. Sorry, buffering for a second there. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> do, you, do you want to circle back? Yeah, let's circle back. All right, that's cool. All right, Peter, yeah. jump on. Um, I actually forgot that this episode was this early in the season. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought it, that, it, it I does thought seem pretty early. Yeah, it was a little bit later. Um, but I really, I really like this episode where we're getting some of Seven's um, latent memories back. Where mm-hmm. you know, like we we were told in you know scorpion part two or, or the next one the gift that she was assimilated as a child and we're like okay well how early was that what was going on why would a human be assimilated as a child and so we get some of that explanation here her parents are um in Idiots. my humble opinion somewhat <laughs> boneheadedly uh oh, yeah, so much. cube oh um, my god and that really gets uh next season is i think it's a dark frontier two part it really gets broken down they're morons oh, my, oh well i uh, let's i hope we meet the borg it's oh my god what is wrong with you, you people? look at the timing though of when that must have happened that's the borg are still an unknown quantity they're, yeah they're it's, an it's, entity at that it's, point they it's don't right, know what they're pursuing it's after we see the colonies scooped up in early right. tng mm-hmm. but it's before and it's after like it's, it's before what? best of both worlds, but it's it's after the Enterprise meets them, um, so they know right. who they are, but right. they don't but know anything it's else. Such a hugely unknown quantity, so it is something to yeah. yeah. So, so again, for us, it's very boneheaded. Yeah. They don't necessarily right. think it is, um, but it, as an outside viewer, that you know that theatrical yeah. irony, yeah. we're sitting You're going, like, no, don't do that. Very mm. dumb. Um, very dumb. And as 
you know, as we mentioned with previously, the force of nature, you know, you mess with a tornado, yeah. it ends swimmingly. Um, right. Go watch Twister in that cow. Don't be that cow. <laughs> yeah. So, but it's interesting to see how, um, how seven like re experiences how that trauma comes back up. And, and like, this is a, this is a character thing that like continues with her dealing with that, but how we get to see that, how we get to see how like she did have a family that did care for her, that did love her, but there's just mm-hmm. something, this horrible thing that happened. Right. Um, that with, with the Borg and how all of that uh, pans out. Um, let me, let me check the note here. Um, so, and I, and I think it's also interesting how like we get some of that flashback before they even find the ship and then you find the Mm -hmm. ship and then, Mm -hmm. and then the rest of it all starts to come out. Right. Um, so I think this is also one of the first parts where we get, uh, Janeway's obsession with Leonardo da Vinci brought in, which is the fun (laughs) side note. Right. Right. Um, Yeah. Yeah. But it's, and it's a such more regular part of of season four, which kind of peters out eventually. Yeah. No but it's just, a, it's just one of those fun little, you know, character. Uh, right. It's not a tick, but it's like a, a thing about the character. That's yeah. just a fun little element that comes in, becomes a thing. And then, then we move up, then we develop other things. So it doesn't become, so she doesn't become a one trick pony, but yeah, just, right. I enjoy her whole thing with Leonardo da Vinci. So it's just funny for me to be like, Oh look, here it is. Yeah. Right. Um, I'll jump in. I'll toss to Aaron and then we'll let, we'll let Jen we'll, now that Jen is hopefully properly buffered. She can, she can finish us yeah. up. But, um, let's see here. So yeah, I, I thought this was, was also, uh, pretty great. And again, yeah, it did seem early, but, it, it doesn't leave us like, okay, now Seven's story is over, and there's still more in, in her background, and we do get a more fuller uh, detailing of that, as I said, in Season 5. But I love that, you know, and what a cool way to um, to integrate it. You know, they're passing through this piece of space with this super obnoxious alien. That they're like, well, we'll let you pass through our space, and it'll save you three months, where I'm like, you know, I'll take, you know, they end up taking the three months after all because these aliens are so obnoxious. Uh, and and then, of course, it's a comedy of errors that, you know, Seven's Borg overloads and then she kidnaps Tuvok and she has to go follow the signal. And these aliens are like, we really see this is a Borg invasion and blah, blah, blah. Like these people are just like, oh, my God, we'll take the three months. You know, we'll take the three months staying in our head rather than having to deal with you people. Um, but, yeah, I love it. And I, I love how they kind of bring it full circle, but leave it a little bit more open to to more, you know, character exploration as time goes on. So, um, yeah, so I really enjoyed this one very much. So Aaron. Well, I, I, I agree with Peter in that it's hard to, um, talk about this episode and not want to talk about dark frontier. You know, (laughs) again, we have the benefit of hindsight on that. Um, but you know, you, you want to talk about the, you know, the recipients of the, uh, uh, parents of the century award, but, um, (laughs) but, uh, no, I, I love the use of the visuals in this episode with, uh, the hallucination of the Raven Mm -hmm. and, uh, uh, the payoff for that later in the episode being that's the, you know, the name of the ship and everything. And, um, seeing the, conflict uh with seven of nine um trying to resolve her new life uh as a member of the crew versus the only thing she's really known for most of her existence being part of the collective um i i love i love breaking that apart you know of really getting this truly alien mentality um ironically from a human um and, and and seeing that attempt at integration and then at the the end her deciding to 
it's not time. She's not ready, which in some ways it's like you, you want her to go for it. You want her to embrace her hair, her, her past and, and learn the truth. But at the same time, you have to stand back and appreciate the fact that at least she's mature enough to know she's not ready. Yeah. You know? Right. So that's, I mean, that's, that's, that's hard to do uh, for a lot of people. And, and that's, that's a moment of strength from this character that I really appreciated. Oh, Steph. All right, Jen, you've buffered, yeah, you're ready, so, you're prepared. Yeah, I'm good. Um, it's not like flipping a switch, right? Mm-hmm. It's not like you just take out all the board parts and suddenly she's human. Right. Um, because there is trauma to deal with. And yeah. the it's almost like by deborging her, you get the memories are like the last memories that she has before she was assimilated. So she is reverting back to that moment again and it's in her unconscious. And that's why it's coming back as, you know, the, the hallucination of the Raven, you know, because she doesn't know that's the name of the ship. She knows it's the name of the ship. She doesn't know. Um, Added to that, the homing beacon that she has and it just becomes this big kind of, trauma stew sort of in her head where she's trying to cope with something that she doesn't know what she's trying to cope with. And it promises that there is more to come. Uh, Like you said, there's um, she's not ready to deal with it, Mm -hmm. Uh, but she will deal with it. At this point in the show, we don't know how we don't know that she will. Um, But it's it's huge to see her past uh, kind of come to resurface in her own mind and in the uh, the wreckage that they find as well at the same time. So totally yeah. excellent, good deal. All right, I'm going to take us home uh, with episode seven, Scientific Method. David Livingston directing, teleplay by Lisa Klink, and story by Sherry Klein and Harry Clore. Second time I've seen his name. First time I've seen hers so i don't know them but must have been writers on the the staff at that time from october of 97 the crew have unexplained illnesses as they are closely uh, observed by unseen intruders i thought this one was pretty darn interesting to be honest with you um so we're getting more tom and balana but they're running around like a couple of school kids oh you know hey it's the middle of the day let's make out on the the uh, upper rail of the warp core and tuvok walks in on him and he and then uh, tom chases him down like dude come on you can't say anything to me about me making out with my girlfriend uh in the middle of a room where there's everybody whatever it is and so you you watch janeway you know look look like you know uh mom of a two-year-old with her hair all frizzy and you know she's not sleeping super stressed out and then uh but then really weird things happen and of course chakotay turns into like an 80 year old man overnight and different people are having weird sicknesses and yeah they uh this turns into a big allegory about animal you know basically lab rat animal experimentation which Janeway then says to this uh, the leader of these um, these you know aliens that are able to cloak themselves and do all these weird experiments uh, because you know the you know in what becomes a big trope of the series the doctor is able to do something to one of seven's implants and then she's able to save the day and you know see all these unseen aliens um, 
but yeah, this is classic Janeway. At the end of it, she resolves it by, I'm just going to run the ship into a star, and if you don't F off, then you're going to die with us too, so enjoy. And it's great because in that shot, as they're finally getting close to the star at the end of it, uh, you see that the aliens retreat. There's two ships, and one of them gets blown up, so I'm like, yes! Totally worked. Janeway Janeway is you. Janeway one, bad guy zero. Janeway has Janeway to the villains. Yes. <laughs> That's almost a better name for the episode. We might have to go with yeah, that. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, all right. I'll swap, I'll, I'll swap that out while uh, Peter, uh, having earned honors, gets to go next. Um, I actually don't have a whole lot to add about this episode. <laughs> um, it, I do I do enjoy like the like where you get the viewpoint of the, of the aliens as they're viewing everybody while you, you get that, like you're trying to figure out what's going on. You do know more than the characters. Um, but at the same time, it's just like, uh, yeah, I don't have a whole lot to add on it. It's just like, well, they're going to get and things are you horrible. And did have that sweet grab though. All right, Aaron, how about you? This is one of those, um, episodes of star trek that i really like because it's it's star trek is not afraid to take concepts and ideas from other uh series in its catalog and kind of re-explore them in a different way um that in, in that this episode reminded me very much of the tng episode schisms yep. you know when they were totally yeah. yeah, they were dealing with uh, the alien abduction phenomenon in that episode. And in that particular episode, the TNG crew sciences their way out of trouble. Um, and and in this one, you know, uh, uh, Janeway Janeways them. You know, <laughs> it's 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 a different solution. And and you know, that's 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 one of the things that I I love so much about Star Trek is the diversity of opinions and ideas, and the seeing the way different captains might find different solutions for the same problems, and that's revisited time and time again and i just I, I love that and i really appreciate it in this episode and enterprise even revisits this to an extent when you have the aliens that are observing the oh the one crew. The obser- yeah, observer effects yeah. Season four. totally yeah. different and they don't really have any sort of like big con- confrontation in the end but it's a similar again, right just going yeah. back to your idea of star trek recycles pro- plots to see how different characters handle them so yeah yeah, yeah and yeah and sometimes it can really pay off like i i really feel like you did in this one all right jen take us uh take us home before we pick our favorites and leasts i like that this one is um that seven and the doctor are the ones who are sort of immune to the effects of what the aliens are doing so because of you know him being a hologram and her implants still affecting how she's perceived or what she is perceiving so this is one of the first instances of them working together and it's kind of the uh the start of their friendship uh unintentionally of Mm -hmm. course but because they can work together in that way it's uh it's it's it works for both of them um i love tom and balana also just sort of going oh we're just, let's just jump on each other why not you know sure. like, it's cool the what, what happened with uh the uh the blood fever where they were gonna and then didn't and yeah now they're totally free to do that it's so. blood fever catch-up day yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah but well, it's, it's a fun one it's a yeah. sci-fi concept i like it yeah it's cool most deaf. Cool. All right. Well, uh, that is the first seven episodes uh, of season four of Star Trek Voyager. Let's pick a favorite, uh, and then we'll pick a least favorite, and we will start with Aaron. I'm going to go basic Borg on this one. My favorite was uh, Scorpion, part two. I love Scorpion. <laughs> Me too. And what about a least? Uh, Nemesis. 
yeah. I will save some time and say that I'm in the exact same spot. Yep, I love yeah. big, big Borg Kaboomies, and uh, <laughs> the nemesis was just like, hey, we got a script. We got to sneak something in, so here's a script we're sneaking in. You're welcome. So, Peter. Um, just to be a little different, I'm going to say that my favorite is the gift because I like the, the way that um, Seven is becoming dealing with the becoming more human and how Kess is, you know, how the character departs in a not, not so explosive manner. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So just, just how that, I I like how the characters are handled in that episode. And so for that reason, I'll say that that one's my favorite. And also because it, it still deals with the Borg elements, but not, it isn't great. Uh, (laughs) Excellent. Very good. Awesome. All right, Jen. Um, also the gift is a favorite for a lot of the same reasons that it is more character driven than big boom explosion driven explosion Um, explosionary. (laughs) Yeah. Um, and I mean, that's fine. Everybody likes different things and has different reasons for liking what they like. I, I'm here for the characters and their motivations and where that's going. And gift has, I mean, great stuff for, for cast leaving, but also really, really, really great stuff for, uh, seven and Janeway and where that keeps going and how they clash and yeah. where that goes so i like that and obviously nemesis is my least favorite of come on now <laughs> exactly correct yep. oh good deal well cool. Basically, they shouldn't name star trek things nemesis it just doesn't end well right like, yeah oh, not. hopefully we won't get a third times the charm with that and they'd be like oh and here's a season five episode of discovery no, they just need to add a no! at the beginning and see oh, yeah. what or what add something you know <laughs> Call it Nemesis of the Week. Maybe that'll that'll make it great. So Nemesis of the Week, Ship of the Week, whatever it is. All right. Well, that wraps us up, guys. Thank you for joining us for this coincidentally very special Christmas episode of Code 47. Uh, Peter, where do people find you out there in the world? Hey, there's the hat. All right, people, people where do people find you out there? Uh, you can find me around the internets at Petrus Aquinas. Um, as I've said before, I usually don't do a whole lot or say things. I made a horrible millennium Falcon joke and no one responded. So Aww. that's usually what I do. It's not say things or when I do, no one notices. Um, but if you, oh, well. if you say something to me, mm-hmm. I might respond usually on the uh, discord. So. Yes, yes, always the Discord. Definitely uh, our Secret Friends Unite Discord is definitely a hot spot to be at. Aaron. Yeah, you can find me at uh, USS Rhapsody on uh, Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram. And you can also find my other uh, cosplay team of GBMI, Ghostbusters Michigan, at uh, GBMI Michigan on Facebook and on Instagram and YouTube. Awesome. I also have a link to Aaron's uh, link tree in the show notes, as I oh, do yes. for as I do for Jen. Sorry to steal your thunder, but Jen, yep. where do people find you? Uh, I've got a link tree that is linktree.com slash Jen Watson art. There you will find links to my Etsy shop, still on vacation, uh, my Instagram, my Facebook. I am also now on threads. I have not done much with it, but I am there. So if you want to say something to me, you can say it there. I might see it if I can figure out how to work the thing. Uh, and also a link to my author page on Screen Rant where I am on the Star Trek team. Woohoo! I love it. I, I also am on threads and in general, I'll go find you on threads once I know okay. that you can see it. Uh, but yeah, that's primarily where I'm at. I'm, I've, I've abandoned X long ago and I'm on threads and also Instagram as C3Carpenter. Go ahead and spell it 
out. Uh, and of course, Secret Friends Unite is also on threads. Uh, but myself and Peter uh, and Aaron, we are all part of SFI, but Peter and I are part of the USS Grand Petoskey that my wife April and I run. We're based here in West Michigan, one of the biggest chapters of the International Star Trek fan club in the world. Uh, we are always looking to have more people uh, come on over and see what we're up to. If you go to sfi.org or grandpetoskey.com or just give us a big Googs, uh, drop a line. I also run Region 13, which is Michigan and Eastern Canada. Uh, so if you're a trekker out that way and would like to learn more, hit us up and we would love to have you on board. So with that, friends, as always, thank you for joining us. I'm going to tell you that sharing is caring and to keep on trekking. Be the Starfleet you wish to see in the world. Peace and long life. I got one this week. Believe it or not, this is my high school yearbook quote. Always remember, a thousand stars, a million maybes. This podcast is part of the Secret Friends Unite podcasting network. Visit secretfriendsunite.com for more great shows, articles, news, reviews, and more. Secret Friends Unite podcasts are available on Apple, Google, Spotify, and other podcast services around the world. If you'd like to be part of the conversation, you can join us on Facebook or our new Discord server. Or follow at Secret Friends U on Twitter. Please subscribe to Secret Friends Unite on YouTube and visit our merch store at tpublic.com. Just search Secret Friends Unite. Thanks for listening.